Hello, thanks so much for tuning in to our podcast. I'm Michael Grant, Senior Pastor of Faith Worship Center International right here in Columbus, Georgia. Today, I'd like to share a word straight from God that's just for you. I hope you're prepared. Grab your pen, paper, your tablet. Most importantly, grab your Bible, your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And let's prepare to take notes on what God has to share with you on today. I'm excited for you because you're about to grow to a greater place of faith in God. Let's tune into the word. But I want to I want to deal with. Today, God really gave me this message to share, to shed light on the strategy of the adversary amidst all of these things. And it's important that we are aware of what the enemy is doing so that we'll know how to reject the work of the adversary and how to endure the truth of what will take place as Jesus spoke. I'm going to say that one more time. Uh, We need to be able to differentiate what is the attack of the adversary so that we'll fight against his strategies and his tactics and differentiate what he's doing in contrast to what God has prophesied that needs to take place so that Christ can return for us all and we experience the promised glory. Because I don't care how much we pray, how much we fast, how much we do any of those things, what God has said is going to come to pass. We're going to experience affliction. We're going to experience some suffering. We're going to experience some tribulation, whether small or great. We're going to experience some of those things. But in experiencing those things, we do not have to endure. We do not have to subject ourselves to the attack and the spiritual warfare and the strategies and tactics of the adversary that try and come in parallel with what God is doing. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You see, what the enemy likes to do is he, he doesn't like to come as a, with a pitchfork and a long tail and horns. He likes to come, as the Scripture says, as a sheep, in, as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Amen. He likes to look like he's right in alignment with God. Uh, uh, Jesus taught the parable. He said uh, uh, in the church it, it looks like there's wheat and tear growing together. You can't tell which is which until they reach the full phase of harvest. So it's, it's difficult sometimes to differentiate what is God and what looks like God, what might, but, but what might not exactly be God. And so God will do something like call you to a fast so that you can be a little more keen, a little more aware, a little more discerning than you have been. Because I'm going to tell you, in these last days, we need to be as keen or as spiritually discerning as we possibly can be so that we'll know what is the will of God versus what is the strategy and tactics of the adversary. need to know. And so the enemy has been busy. He's been busy. This is, I'll set it up this way, this is the time of year where everybody's looking forward to the holiday, spring break, right? Children are excited about that. They get to get a break from school and Parents, you get to get a break from taking them to school only to find out that they at home eating up all your groceries <laughs> and dirtying up everything in sight. This is the spring time of year. Flowers are blooming. The sun is shining. Temperatures are rising and falling and rising and falling way down and rising again. 
and pollen comes in and you get to rubbing your nose. You don't know whether you got COVID or allergies. Pray for the saints, pray for the saints, pray for the saints. But we begin to find joy. A sense of normalcy seems to come back to our society even as we go out and about and times are seeming joyful again and we're approaching what the world acknowledges all around the globe as Easter. We're excited about Easter. We believe it to be more along the lines of resurrection and we've put our focus and attention on the fact that he didn't stay there. But on the third day, he rose again. And we forget that the reason that he had to rise again was because the princes of that age did not realize that they were being a tool that was used to take his life. Now, he stated that, you know, I don't, you don't take my life. I freely give it. But there had to be a tool that was used, and that tool was not in the hand of God, per se, as it was in the hand of the adversary who was laboring diligently to ensure that the ministry of Jesus Christ came to naught and came to an end as quickly and as soon as possible. I want you to think about this. Jesus' ministry only lasted approximately three years. In modern day and age, we would have called that a flop. We would have said, he, you know, he must wasn't called. Oh, come on now. For church, you, if you, you try to launch a ministry, try to launch a church, and it only lasts three years, you'd have said, we're going to go find us a, like, like, like John the Baptist said, you know, are you the one or need we look for another? Apparently, we need to look for another because not only did your ministry come to a close, it came to an embarrassing close. They killed you. And some people today still don't believe that he rose. They believe that somebody took his body and they can't find it. We'll talk about that later on this month, hopefully. But the point I want you to see here is that that was a tool in the hand of the adversary that was attempting to annihilate his life. Think about Jesus when he was born now. That same adversary used King Herod to try and kill every child that would potentially even be him. You see it? Because he knew that the longer this vessel was around, the longer this God-man was around, the longer he was going to have to suffer at his hand. And so what the enemy did was he, he used Rome and the systems of man to use a term, crucify our Savior. Now, we don't like talking about the crucifixion. We like talking about the resurrection. But today I want to talk a little bit about the crucifixion because I would like to submit to you that just perhaps, just perhaps uh, the, the strategy of the adversary is no different from what his strategies were in past seasons. The adversary is still working diligently to crucify the body of Christ. Did you see it? Did you catch that? Okay, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start on that platform. We'll start working there. The Bible gives light in Matthew chapter 27 that Jesus Christ was led before Pilate and they uh, uh, tried to, uh, uh, the, the religious sector of the world tried to accuse him of things that would make uh, Ro the Roman governor seem as if or feel as if he, Jesus, he being Jesus, was a threat not only to the Jews but to all of the rule of Caesar and the known world of Rome and the, all of his stretch of its, its reign and its rulership, they wanted Jesus to be painted as this great threat to all of society. And in all of Pilate's evaluation, he says, I find no fault with this man. 
I find no fault with him. So y'all take him and do what you want to do. He said, you got you to do something with this guy because he's a threat to him. So, so my point is, Jesus was guiltless, even in the eyes of the tool that was used to attack the body of Christ. I'm going to keep inserting that so you hold on to that. Uh, and, 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 and as it was used, he was crucified guiltlessly. And the reason that that is quite the shame quite the lack of justice or fairness is because crucifixion was a form of capital punishment that was applied to those as punishment for their crime that was punishable by death. So they don't have a crime to apply to this Jesus that's punishable by death. And so there's a lack of injustice. There's, a, there's, there's this injustice that's taking place. There's a lack of justice. That sound familiar? There's injustice in the land. And the first point of infliction or infraction is against the body of Christ, against the flesh of Jesus. Now, crucifixion was a horrible scenario now because it was something where a person was put on display and they were, they were uh, openly, openly killed so that all could see it. It would cause fear and dread to be placed in every heart of individual who would even think of, a, of attempting to do the same types of crimes that the one who was crucified would endure. Crucifixion was a brutal method of capital punishment. Crucifixion, the term crucifixion, crucifixion means cross fixed upon, to fasten, to impale an individual. You don't just sit them there. You don't just, you don't just let them hold themselves there. But you, 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 you beat them to a pulp so that they don't even have the strength to hold themselves up there. So I'm going to tell, tell your neighbor, Happy Easter. You take a nail and you stretch them out as wide as you can and you hammer one side of their flesh into that cross. Right when they're fixed, when they've been fixed to that cross on one side, you don't stop there. You stretch them as far as they'll go to the other side so that the joints, their ligaments, their tendons begin to stretch to the maximum capacity. And then even over on this side, you begin to impale them to the cross, the nail. And just when you think that they can take no bear, no more pain, you stretch them as long as they were horizontally. You stretch them vertically. And you stack them. You impale them to the cross so that they have little to no support. <laughs> Why is it that church nonprofits are expected to carry the weight of all of our community? The first people, first person or first place that people come to when they have a need is the church. And they put this, this, this responsibility on the church as if we got all the money in the world. Not realizing that we living off a part of the tithe of some of the people. We're expected to support society all in the midst of having been stretched and fixed by this adversary that's attacking the body of Christ. And so this thing begins to weigh on this individual, fixed on a cross. And then the process begins. <laughs> Somebody say, and then the process begins. Three things happens in the process of crucifixion that I want to share with you today, and I want to perhaps enlighten you to why, you're been, why you've been facing some of the things that you've been facing in your life. And I want you to now identify those not as God permitting something to take place in your life, but I want you to see them as 
a spiritual attack of the adversary who has come with the intent to crucify you afresh. Oh, Bible, Bible totals. I want you to, I want you to stay with me today. Three things. Everybody say three things. Three things take place in the midst of crucifixion after having been fixed upon this cross. The first intent of crucifixion and the first intent of the strategy of the adversary concerning the body of Christ today is the intent of humiliation. Humiliation. I said before, I'll say it again, this person who was crucified, this guiltless person by the name of Jesus, the body of Christ hanging on that cross has been impaled and fixed on this cross. They are put there in open display. Watch this. To publicly put them to shame. To make everyone who's looking look at them and say, all that work they put in, all them miracles they did, all them hands he laid, all them, all them uh, you know, feeding the 5,000 people, and he couldn't even save his own life. It robs the individual of their dignity, and it causes, watch, it causes them to feel as if they have no self-worth. Amen. <sighs> Somebody say Humiliation. Is there anybody in here who can be honest and say, I've labored for the last 10 to 20 years building, attempting to build a legacy, and it seemed like people look, like, look at me like I ain't done nothing, looking like everything that I put, all the labor I put into this, this, this business, all this labor I put into building this, this, this opportunity for others, even trying to do so so that my family can be sustained, they're looking at me as if ain't nothing to this, like, like this something that's fly by night, like this something that's easy, easy come, easy go, and you don't know all of the hell I had to go through to even get started, let alone say established. Attacking your self-worth, making you feel as if the, the, the things that you've accomplished in your life at an all. Listen, here's why Dr. Ann Hartman prophesied, led of the Lord, that by the year 2020, that the mental illness was going to be one of the leading issues in this present day and age because people can, cannot understand why they're putting in all this work and, and those who mean the most to them seem to not even evaluate it as important. They're losing their minds. And the numbers prove it because since the year 2000 until the year 2020, suicide has increased by 30%. People don't value life no more. They don't value life no more. Young people today are, are stricken by addictions. They're losing their life. I, I heard a statistic earlier, uh, just last night actually, that in the state of California, every 12 hours a young person dies of addiction. Why? Because they don't feel that they have value in this life. In California alone. You telling me that everything is okay? You telling me that, oh, it's just, you know, these people, these young people, they just, they just need to grow up. They just, no, 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 no. They, they, they're being crucified afresh, that generation, because they're so gifted. They're so anointed. They have so many ideas. They have so much talent that the enemy cannot allow all those gifts, anointings, all those gifts and talents to become anointed. Because if they become anointed, now every yoke that he's placed upon the neck of their peers, it has to come loose. It has to be destroyed. It has to cause that generation to be set free. So the enemy would rather humiliate them openly. Make them feel as if they have no worth. Watch, they'll be on social media doing the most outlandish things. Why? Because they don't know their worth. The enemy has deceived them into assuming that if don't nobody else care about me, then I don't care about myself. I do whatever come to my mind. 
And I'll do it. And if I get enough followers, they'll pay me to, for, to put their advertisements and me making a fool out of myself. Why? Because the strategy of humiliation is still being in use today by the adversary, even concerning the body of Christ. No, 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 no. It ain't, it ain't, it's not exclusive just to worldly lost folk. This thing has infiltrated the church. I ain't on social media like that, but some of y'all know all too well that some of y'all friends, I won't put it on you, <laughs> kind of risque when it comes to the book of many faces and the gram of instance. We fall and pray to the strategy of the adversary to humiliate us. So much so that when it's time for us to be a witness for Jesus Christ, we tuck our tails and run away because we are too embarrassed, not of the God that we serve, but how we have displayed this God. And we feel like we don't even have a voice to speak anyway. Humiliation is the strategy of the adversary. He's trying to put us in a place where publicly we're ashamed, where publicly we've been put to a place where we have no worth. Isaiah 54, chapter 4 is a scripture I love what the prophet Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 54, verse number four. He says, fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither shall you be confounded or disgraced. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and thou shalt remember not the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. It's been prophesied that shame cannot attach itself to you. Why? Because the breaker has gone out before you. He's already handled it. But perhaps we endure it because we don't realize that this is an attack of the adversary who's coming hard after us to steal us, to rob us, rob us of our anointing and our witness. Somebody say humiliation. Yeah. I move on to the next one. The next thing that you'll notice in this process of crucifixion, stay with me. Listen, this may not be one of those, you know, uh, 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 shouting messages, but God wants you to get the revelation behind what's taking place. You hear me? So that we can differentiate what the adversary is doing from what God has prophesied will take place. The second thing that begins to take place as this individual is crucified, is fixed upon this cross, their extremities stretched to the maximum, and they've been humiliated openly. The second thing that they experience after humiliation is dehydration. Somebody say dehydration. The stress, the strain, and the heat that comes from enduring this grueling process begins to drain them, not only of their energy, but of the fluid that gives them life. It drains them of the very thing that causes them to live. Dehydration. Somebody say dehydration. dehydration. As an athlete, I've experienced dehydration before, and I'm here to tell you it's not a fun thing. Early, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't remember exactly where I was on the spectrum, but I know it put me in the hospital. It put me in the hospital because my fluids were so depleted that my body could not sustain itself on its own. Come on, man, y'all making me work too hard this morning. Stay with me, church. He that hath an ear, let him hear. So, so, so some signs begin to take place when you're dehydrated. I remember uh, one of the signs was fatigue. It, it didn't matter how long I had uh, sat down and rested. 
It didn't matter how much I tried to gather my, 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 my breath and catch my breath and settle and just sit and be rejuvenated. It didn't matter what I did. I was fatigued. I was weary. Bible tells us, be not weary in well-doing, for you'll reap if you faint not. But, but I was so depleted that I, could, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, endure. So I was, I was uh, uh, darned to, 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 to uh, fail because I was so weary that I could not give any more effort. Because I was fainting. I was fainting. And then my body began to cramp up. Watch, watch. Here's what, and if anybody's ever gotten a cramp or a Charlie horse, you'll you remember, you, you remember the feeling. It feels like your body is fighting against itself. Oh, man, they missed that. They, they missed that. They missed that. They missed that. The, it feels like, I'm, I'm going to use tongue and cheek on that. It feels like the body of Christ is fighting against itself the most drama the most hell we have to endure come from these folk on the row or two behind us now, it ain't the worldly folk it ain't the worldly folk the most drama that you that that you tend to find yourself enduring the most affliction that you find yourself having to face is from people who call themselves saved And it, and, it, and it hops up on you before you realize it. I remember when I was cramping, I, I was just walking. I was just walking. I was tired, and I was walking. Next thing I knew, my, it, it jumped up on me. Before I, could, before I knew it was coming, it jumped up on me. Can anybody say in these last 12 months, I, I, I've had some affliction that was, that was from friendly fire. I didn't see that coming in no way. I would have no way thought this person would have said this. But I would have no way thought this person would have turned to me. I would have never assumed. That that type of warfare would have came from somebody so close in proximity to me. Dehydration. Cramp. Oh, I didn't see it. My body's fighting against itself. And then in that last phase of dehydration, what it does is it causes you to feel dizzy, discombobulated, confused. And you find yourself doing stuff that you'd have never done. You find yourself saying things that you don't even know why you're saying them. We forget all about life and death is in the power of our tongue. We just say the first thing that come on our mind. And then we start having to eat those words, eat the fruits of those words. Oh, boy, y'all looking at me like y'all don't want me to talk about this. No, it's going to help you now. It's going to help you. Yeah, it's going to help you. You start saying things. You start saying one thing out of your mouth, and then on the other side of your mouth, you're saying something totally contrary to what you already prophesied you were expecting. James said it this way in James 1 and 8. He said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And listen, it's not that you are a double-minded individual. It's that you're under attack and, and your body is fighting for survival because it does not have. I ain't talking to nobody in here. I'm talking to the church as we know it. Uh, yeah, your body does not have the water or the fluids that it needs to be able to sustain itself. If I'm not, if not mistaken, over 60% of the body is supposed to be fluid or water and you find yourself under such a great attack that almost all of the fluid on the inside of you because of this attack, this crucifixion that you're enduring is draining you. The heat and the stress. Anybody be honest and say, I've been most stressed in the last 18 months of my life. I thought I was supposed to be enjoying myself in these latter years, but it seemed like most drama done stirred up in my latter seasons and ever in my life. Watch, watch. And it's not by chance. Watch. And it's not by chance. Somebody said prophetically speaking. 
It's not by chance that with what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia and, and them battling and the United States being a helper, having been a helper to the Ukraine, that, uh, they are, that reporters are saying they don't want to ensue panic, but they want to ensure that we are prepared because their cyber attacks could attack our main systems, which attack our water sources. And so they're saying, be careful, make sure you store up water, make sure you have a little on the side. And at last, I, last I heard uh, over 20 years, Years ago, we heard a little lady that was a little prophet telling us, make sure you get a little water and make sure you store it up. Somebody say prophetically, prophetically speaking. The enemy wants to make sure that the body is dehydrated and the times are telling and the body is revealing that we're in this place. But my question is, how is it that the body of Christ is going to be dehydrated when the scripture tells us that in John chapter 4, verse number 13 and 14, that we have tasted of this fountain, that we've drunk of these waters, that we'll never thirst again. And he says, he says, those who drink, this is Jesus talking. He's talking to the woman at the well, if, you, if you're trying to find me in scripture. He says, he says listen, you, 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 have, you, you have water that you know not of. I have water that you know not of. He said, as you'll drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. As a matter of fact, when you drink it, it will become in you a well springing into eternal life. Somebody say, I can't die. I got too much water springing up out of, out of the inside of me. I cannot grow weary. I got too great of a source on the inside of me. John further said it this way in John chapter 7, verse number 38. He says, uh, those who believe out of their bellies shall flow rivers. It, watch now. It starts as a well. It springs up as a fountain, and then it bubbles over into a river. Somebody say three-dimensional. 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 It bubbles over into a river, and out of my belly flows a river. Listen, if, if the word, if the preaching don't release a word of water that quenches my soul, then I got my own river on the inside of me that'll stir me and keep me sustained, keep me from being coming dehydrated while the adversary is trying to attack me. We got to get back to that. We always looking, though, I, well, I can't wait to get to church. Well, what if I can't get to church? What if this thing gets so, so, so drastic? What if this thing gets so overwhelming that they got to shut the whole world down? Are we going to be like those who fell away during the last season? Or are we going to say, come hell, high water, sink or swim? You ain't going to drive me out because I got too much water on the inside of me, baby. The spirit of the living God is moving upon these waters. And out of my belly, I'll flow rivers, not just one river, not just one well, not just one spring. But there's an abundance of God's anointed water stirred on the inside of me. The enemy can't take me out. He can't take me out. When my mother was prompted to start the church up in Asheville, North Carolina, she heard the song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Watch this. She is resting in the arms of Jesus Christ, but the river is still flowing in Asheville, North Carolina. You can't tell me that these waters on the inside of us are not eternal. And they give life to those of us who receive dehydration. The heat and the stress heaps upon you. I got to hurry. Third thing, I said there were three things that the adversary was trying to do. First being humiliation. Second being dehydration. Third and final being asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. Asphyxiation is not a very prevalent word that we're familiar with, so I have to define it for you. And I preface this by saying I am in no way well-versed in medical terms, but I will say that the dictionary clearly explains what asphyxiation is. In short, it is that there is such a lack of oxygen in the temple, the body, that organs begin to shut down 
from it, and, it, and our, the body is so exhausted that it reaches the point of death. Similar to suffocation, where so much weight, I heard the Lord say this this morning, is upon the individual. So much weight is upon the individual. I'm going to say that one more time. The weight and the cares of life as Jesus talked about it. Let's, let's go here because, God Almighty, I need to help you. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Verse number 14, Jesus is speaking in, in a parable. Starting at verse number 5 on down through verse number 11. He tells the parable, and we know that he's talking about a sower goes out to sow seed. And this seed falls onto different types of ground. And one of the grounds that it falls upon is, is called thorny ground. Verse 14, he says, And that which fell among the thorns, which are, are they which, when they have heard, go forth. I want you to read the rest of this part with me. It's up on the screen, or it should be. Uh, ready, read. And are choked with the cares and the riches and pleasures of this life. You're so weighed down. You're so entangled with things, <laughs> with things that, that, that are, are so unimportant when compared with eternity. But, but because we're hard workers or because we are people who like to finish what we start, we, we continue to fight against and labor against only to find that these things are choking the very life out of us. It ain't changed since you started addressing it. God Almighty, help me, Jesus. It ain't changed since you first laid your hand on it. Why? Because it don't want to change. It, oh, they ain't going to like me, Elder. It's bad ground, you see. <laughs> I'm going to say that one more time. It's bad ground, you see. Yeah, yeah. It's not your seed. No, 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 no. The seed is infallible. The seed... The seed is, 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 is divine. The seed is eternal. The seed, if it's in the right ground, will work. But it's, it's, it's bad ground, you see. This, this ground has not been kept by the keeper of the grounds. And so this, these grounds have become so distorted and so full of other things that when the seed comes, it don't realize the precious nature of what it has inherited. And so these other things, you see, choke the life out of this precious word that you released. Yeah, no, no, it ain't you. It ain't you. It ain't what you're doing. It's the fact that the ground just bad. I'm going to say that one more time in case they didn't hear what I said. Them folk you're dealing with, they, the ground just bad. It's just bad. And see, our good-hearted nature as Christians, we want to help everybody. We want to dig and try and make. Listen to me. Here's what God said about bad ground. Leave it alone. You got you, you to let, let ground be fallow. You got to let ground sit and see if it's going to receive what heaven releases, the moisture that is released. You got to see if it wants what the Creator is making available to it. Ain't nothing you can do about it. You can bring in good ground, put it on top of that bad ground, and them bad thorns in that bad ground going to cultivate and make what was good bad. Why? Because the ground just bad. That's for somebody in here. 
And so it's choking the life out of you and you can't breathe. You're trying to figure out why you're exhausted now. Watch, watch. I've never been choked out, thanks be to God. But I've heard that when one begins to be suffocated or experience asphyxiation, the first thing that begins to go is they begin to lose their voice. In a decade of declaring, in a season where heaven is open and the mouth of God is open to speak and we echo what he is saying and heaven and earth become one and release one sound or in one voice together, so it makes sense that the adversary would try and restrict our voice so that what's being said in heaven cannot be echoed in earth. So the enemy wants to silence you. He wants to suffocate you so your voice cannot be heard. Parsley said it this way. Dr. Parsley, he said, silence is the language of defeat. So there's a big church with a big voice, but it can't be heard. Why? Because it's being suffocated and it's defeated. Woo. I was talking with one of our members. She's talking about, talking about how she was battling fear. And she said, I was, initially I was battling fear in my mind. Listen, she said, initially I was battling fear in my mind, and in my mind I would tell fear, leave me alone, leave me alone. But she said, I caught a revelation. I can't fight fear in silence. Because you see, fear can't hear my thoughts. Ah, fear can't hear your thoughts. So though you may be thinking, leave me alone, you might be thinking, I cast that down. You might be thinking, I rebuke you. That spirit is still there saying, well, he or she ain't said nothing. So I guess I still got a right to be here. But there's a believer, a group of believers that's ready to open up your mouths and speak to those things and tell them where they can go. You're not going to be silent anymore. You're not going to allow them to play you anymore you are not going to be asphyxiated anymore you are going to open up your mouth and let your voice be heard fear leave me alone you see the enemy wants to attack our voice our sound because he knows that it is the breath it is the breath that gives us life Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 clearly states that God breathed his breath the breath of life into our nostrils and then we became a living soul prior to that we were just an idea baby prior to that we were just you know a thought in the mind of God but when he breathed the breath of life into us we came into being we came into existing and from that moment that very moment the adversary began to look and see how how can I steal that breath from them? How can I choke? How can I suffocate? How can I rob them? What has been promised to them asphyxiation. These are the attacks that the enemy has been trying to do. The enemy always tries to work in threes because he's a copycat. When he stood and worshiped God in heaven prior to his fall, he understood that God was a triune being. And he understood that God worked in threes, Father, Son, Spirit, right? He worked in uh, the, the, the spirit, the soul, the natural. God works in the realms of threes. And so if he's going to defeat creation, God's creation, he too must work and fight against those three dimensions. And so we see John 10 and 10 where Jesus himself is giving light to the strategy of any thief or any adversary, not just the devil himself, but any thief, any good thief or any good adversary will come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Somebody say three-dimensional. Three 
And so this crucifixion, this fixating us, and, I, and I'd like to uh, insert this here, this fixating or this crucifixion, God, uh, the, the adversary wanted Jesus to stay there, and much in part, he wants us to stay in this place of being humiliated, first phase. Second phase, he wants us to stay in a place of being dehydrated. He wants us to remain or get fixed or impaled in a place where we are asphyxiated. But the thing that he failed to realize what was, was that after the crucifixion, after the humiliation, after, y'all, the dehydration, and after, y'all, the asphyxiation, there was a resurrection. And here's the thing that I like about Jesus. Jesus didn't keep the resurrection just for himself. He told Martha when Lazarus was, died, was dead and stinking, he said, honey, you don't know who I am. You must don't realize that I am the resurrection and I am the life. Those who might have been dead, watch, the enemy may have got the best of you in that last situation. The atmosphere may have overcome you to the point that you lost, you suffered, and perhaps, baby, you died. But death is not the end. It's only the beginning. Why? Because we serve a God who has resurrection power, and he has the ability, the power, the authority, and the desire to revive us with his resurrection power. So he died that we may live. He gave his life that we can have life and life more abundantly. He said the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come, I've come, I've come, I've come. The resurrection and the life, I've come, I've come. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Hosea prophesied. He got, he got so deep into the things of God, he saw way over into the future. Hosea 6 and 2, he said it this way. He said, after two days, he's going to revive us. Oh, but on the third day, he's going to raise us up, and we're going to live before him. Look at your neighbor and say, that enemy may have been fighting you. He may have drained you. He may have suffocated you. He may have dehydrated you. He may have put you to shame, but there is a resurrection on the inside of you that's ready, willing, and able now to cause you to get up out of your low place to come back to life so he's going to give you glory instead of your shame he said oh how are they who increase who trouble me many are they that rise up against me he said but thou oh lord are a shield to me you're my glory not my shame you're the lifter of my head turn to your neighbor and say lift up your head don't you be down don't you be sorrowful realize that the God you serve after your affliction, he's going to glorify you, you see. He's going to glorify you, you see. There's a resurrection power that's on the inside of you. The same, here's how Paul said in Romans chapter 11, he said, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body and he'll cause you to live. So listen, here's all God wants you to realize God ain't going to leave you in the place where the enemy is trying to attack you. He's not going to leave you ashamed. He cannot leave you drained. He cannot allow you to be so exhausted that you cannot do what he's purposed you in this earth to do. God is going to free you. He's going to revive you. He's going to cause you to live again. So here's what I want you to do. Yeah, you can celebrate that. You can celebrate that. You can celebrate that. But here's what I want you to leave knowing. Here's what I want you to leave knowing. I want you to leave knowing that God needs you to embrace the revelation that his body has already been resurrected. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. 
missing. See, I could see, I could see if I was born B.C. You might have me then, devil. But because God saw fit for me to be born Anno Domini, what does that mean? In the year of my Lord. <laughs> oh, in the year that he came, that he came and showed forth his passion in the time, in the season. I know y'all talk about the common era and before common era. I don't ascribe to that. I ascribe to my calendar being set off of when Christ came and when he came, hung, bled, and died. That's what I set my clock upon. And I'm an AD baby. Some of y'all say, I, I, I'm an AD baby. Not an 80s baby. I'm an AD baby. And I don't mean attention deficit. I'm born in a season where Christ came and he hung, bled, and died, and his body was resurrected. Here's what, the Corinthian, here's what Paul told the Corinthian church, and I'm done. He says there are many members, but it's one body. He says, now then are we members of the body of Christ, of the same spirit. And so since we are members of his body, and his body has already been resurrected, oh, no, I refuse to accept any type of crucifixion again. No, 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 we've already been there. Already gone through that. You already gone through that. So if you try to shame me, there's gonna be glory after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the enemy's trying to, to, to make you feel ashamed. Just know there's, there's some glory coming. That's going that test is gonna be a testimony. Watch, you may have failed the test. Now I told y'all last Sunday that anger was gonna try to get best of you. Then you turned on the uh, award show like you don't know what I'm talking about, and we all focus on will, but we forgot that God told us that that spirit of anger will get you all outside of your character. Will got stuck in a character called King Richard. That's around slap Chris. And now he crying for the rest of the show. Why? Because... Because a moment. Trying to get the best of you. But here's my thing. Even if we were to fail like that, we have Christ who restores us. What hope does Will have, y'all? What hope does Will have? Can you see the difference? Can you see the difference? See, this is why we have hope. This is why we have a blessed assurance because even when the enemy tries to put us in those similar situations, there was a young lady who came up and trying to talk to Jesus or, or these guys were about to stone her. Jesus comes up and says, ho, 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 ho. I, I, know, she, I know she slapped Chris in public. I'm, para I'm parabolically speaking here. I know she did what y'all consider to be the unforgivable. But whoever going to judge her, make sure that you have no sins on your track record. He said, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. Young lady still crying, like Will, crying. Show going on crying. Jesus said, look up, sweetheart. Ain't nobody here, ain't nobody here to judge you. Ain't nobody here to judge you. Call all of them, if they, if they was in that situation, you would have did that same thing and more. I take my hat off to Chris. Because I ain't going to make you no promise. That you come up here and slap me, you might get all this. I'm, I'm, trying, I, 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 I'm trying to stay all, I'm trying to stay in the spirit. Hello, hello. I promise you this, I promise you this. If the Holy Ghost catch me before I get to you, you fine. 
for the Holy Ghost getting If he don't get to me, you better get to going. Because if security don't get you first, if security don't get you first, you're going to get all this. We got to go. We've been here an hour and 45 minutes. I'm trying to get y'all out of here. I felt that thing down somewhere deep. I said, Chris, you, you, right now I feel like I can only, you a better man than me. But they did have a clip where he, he balled his fist up a little bit. He, I don't know if I would have just balled mine, Chris. I, I, stop the show, but keep the camera running. We're finna get live in here today. <laughs> Laugh to keep from crying. I, I insert that, though, as we close. And I, I, that is really, truth be told, wasn't nothing funny about it now. Truth be told, wasn't nothing funny about it. And, and here's why. I said, boy, pastor's going to preach all over again. I'm not. I just want, I want you to see what this spirit is trying to do in our nation. How is it okay that in the land of the free, home of the brave, where we all have freedom of speech, that someone can respond to free speech with physical violence and in the same setting be celebrated? Right? Right? Now, we talked about injustice. If that person with that microphone in their hand had been a different complexion. Can I have my rag on that, please? Can I have my rag on that? But I want you to see spiritually. Thank you, sir. Spiritually what's taking place is these demonic forces, these principalities, these powers, these rulers of darkness of this world, these spiritual wickednesses in high places, they're saying, we got them, y'all. We can get them to do whatever we want. And they so, they so divided as a people, want to be celebrating while want to be ticked off. And all the while, we working underground, just eating away at the foundation of this country. all while the clock of heaven is on the last ticks. Can we see? So all the more reason for us to know what's God versus what's the adversary, because when we know the difference in the two, we can refuse the strategies of the adversary and we can embrace fully what God has for his body as believers, because if we endure his affliction, if we endure suffering as good soldiers, we will be glorified with him in the end. Wow, what a message. What a word, man. I just love God's word. It's so empowering, so impactful. It causes us to be exactly what God wants us to be. I hope you enjoyed that message. Until next time, I pray that you stay strong in your faith and in all that God is speaking in your life, you have exactly what you say.